Hey everybody, thanks for joining us. I'm so glad that you're here for our next conversation about finishing well, how we as people of faith can finish strong the race and the work that God has given us to do. Today we'll be talking about retirement and I'll be joined by our own John Olive. Many of you know John as the former head football coach of our own Tullahoma Wildcats and as the current athletic director for Tullahoma City Schools. I'll be talking with John about how his faith informed his decision to step away from football after many decades of successful coaching and what it's like being on the other side of work that he has loved for so many years. I'm so glad that you're here. Let's jump in. John, thanks for being here and joining us for this next installment of our conversations in Finishing Well. Today we're talking about retirement, which may or may not feel uh, on the nose because I think you came over here from work. So. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> so uh, we're grateful, though, for you to get to share part of your story and uh, how God's been present in that going forward. So thanks for being here. Well, thank you for the opportunity. So uh, many of us know you and your life's work, but not all of us do. So if you don't mind, maybe just give us the 30,000-foot view of um, what your career has been about up to this point and maybe how you got started in it. Um, you know, when I uh, was moving stuff at my parents' home years ago, uh, I came across notebooks from ninth grade physical science and some other uh, U.S. history my junior year, and I would have uh, football stuff uh, drawn over in the columns where I'm taking notes in a class because in that day and time, the new offense was uh, called the wishbone. And uh, Daryl Royal at Texas and Oklahoma and then Bear Bryant had started running it at Alabama. And, and my, I was just fixated on how to create a defense that can stop the wishbone. And that's what you see in all these columns. Mm -hmm. So um, I went off to college uh, planning to be a teacher, be a coach, really wanted to go coach on the college level. Um, and along the way, uh, there was a booster of the Carson Newman College Athletics. There was a businessman in Knoxville, and um, he provided a townhouse apartment inside of his walking horse stables for another young coach and I to be able to live there for free in exchange for feeding some horses, feeding some dogs, doing some general cleaning around it. It was a great deal. Uh, there was no thing, no such things as cell phones. Elvis might have had one, but <laughs> right. nobody, you know. Uh, so we had a landline. He paid for everything for us to be there. It was a donation as far as he was concerned to Carson Newman College. Uh, but along the way, um, uh, he decides to adopt the two of us, and he takes us out. We're eating better than we've ever eaten in our life. Um, and long story short, uh, he eventually uh, convinces me to go to work for him, which I worked for him for almost three years. And uh, Mr. Mullins was really good to me, treated me like a son. Um, and I moved up rapidly in his organization. Uh, and I'm sure that was his intent that when he took me in, you know, it was uh, training. And uh, so with that, uh, I really thought, hey, 
maybe maybe you know this is a great opportunity and um, long, uh, again uh, God works in mysterious ways and um, at a after I'm in my third year I have moved up I'm the deal closer I'm no longer just out trying to find the deals I'm closing them and uh, we're developing properties primarily um, he owned 16 different companies at that time and um, and I'm uh, I don't know and I had like three companies that were my focus that I worked in and um, I finally decided though you know I'd rather be developing people than developing property so um, I went to Loudoun High School in 1983 and um, my pay got cut by, uh, I made one third mm. of what I had been making. I'd been paid every Friday. I went to being paid once a month. It was a real shock at trying to make the budget, but I loved it. Um, you know, and I was enjoying teaching, um, people out of East Tennessee will remember the Butcher Brothers and the fall of their banking empire. And because of where I was, uh, and, they got me to teach economics as well as biology there at Loudoun High, and I was teaching economics on a special license because of my business background. And I could sit there and talk to my classes and share information that I knew. Anyway, all I'm gonna say is it gets to be March or April of that year, and the Knox News, I can't remember if it was the Journal or the Sentinel, uh, comes out with a big, thing about the fall of the butcher empire and my kids are just fascinated coach you told us you told us about this coach this look this is what you exactly what you told us back last fall all that kind of stuff's going on and uh but um it's a downturn in the economy in the state of tennessee uh loudon uh, county schools is going to reduce staff i'm a first year teacher i get reduced and so I don't have a job and um, getting married, uh, don't have a job and I take a job uh, at Sanford University in Birmingham as they're reviving their football program. And uh, went down there knowing it's a part-time situation with the promise that at least two and possibly four of us will go full-time the following year. Um, so, that got me back into coaching. I thought I wanted to be on the college level. I really thought, you know, I want to go see how high I can climb. Uh, but um, after two years on the college level, I realized that I'm meeting guys that are on that Division I level, and I don't want my life to look like that. And um, so I got an opportunity to go back to Maryville High, which is what I did. I went back to Maryville High, and, uh, which was my old home high school. Uh, really, I'd become the head coach there. I was my seventh year there. My, uh, I'm, I'm in my fourth year as the head coach there, and um, life's not been great at that point in time um, as I'm not a very good coach. Our talent level's not very good. I've always found that that kind of corresponds. The better the talent, the better the coach. Um, so anyway, uh, I get a phone call 
from a friend, a coaching friend, wanting to know if I'd talk to somebody out of Middle Tennessee. There's some things that had happened that I won't, I'll spare you the details, but little burrs had been put underneath the saddle. Uh, one of the things was that Cherie has an aunt and uncle that at that time lived in Winchester Springs, just built a brand new house in Winchester Springs. We have come over there for Christmas of 91. Hmm. And um, I remember I made the comment as we were leaving here, you know, I think I could enjoy living over here, but you know, we'd have to send our kids to Tullahoma because hmm. Franklin County was the football hmm. powerhouse hmm. in Lincoln County. Tullahoma had a great year in 87, but they were not a powerhouse. Um, the next fall is when I get the phone call from my coaching friend. I agree to talk and it turns out it was uh, Dr. Embry, the mm -hmm. superintendent of schools here at Tullahoma, as well as a businessman that I met in Athens, Tennessee. And, um, and it was really, when you're trying to make decisions, things are a little tough, but and we're building a brand new house in Maryville. Um, and, um, you know, probably still three months away from it being complete, but we're, we're getting, we're, we've got it in the drive. We're mm -hmm. working on the interior. Uh, and, and so trying to struggle to make a decision, I can remember saying, okay, God, I'm going to ask you to speak to me through my wife. Mm. And so we would talk about it, not every night, but we would, it's about a three-week window in here that I'm dragging this thing out. And one night at about midnight, Sheree and I are talking, and, um, you know, she says, I can't tell you why, but I think it's supposed to be a door that we're supposed to walk through. Mm. I got up out of bed. I called Dr. Embry, woke him up, and said, if you'll still have me as your coach, I'll come. Now, I say all that, that when I did come, which was Martin Luther King Day, 1993, uh, that following week, I really thought hard about going back and mm. reapplying for my old job because mm. uh, I realized what I had walked into. But all that said, God has blessed us richly, mm -hmm. and Telehome has been a wonderful place for my family as well as myself. There have been some rough years, been some great years, but the community itself has always been awesome. That's an amazing story. Uh, a couple parts of that stick out to me. One, you know, looking back, finding those yearbooks and that that uh, long time, maybe lifelong love of football. But also, you mentioned in part of that story a sense of uh, I wanted to develop people, not properties. Yes. And uh, it strikes me that oftentimes God has a way of weaving together our passions and dreams and loves and integrating them into a bigger purpose. So I'm curious maybe, uh, as I think about too, because you mentioned coming to, to Tullahoma here in the early 90s and you've been here ever since. And to have that kind of longevity and staying power, not only in a place, but just in a profession, it's less and less common. And so to me... I, have a suspicion that it's attached in a, some way to a sense of calling to the work and to the people yeah. in that way. Could you maybe just share a little bit with us about that, your sense of calling to work with teenagers and through athletics? Well, you know, I, I felt like 
helping young people to learn to make good decisions mm. um, was very, very important to me. Uh, I, I enjoy competitions. I, I love Friday nights in the fall of the year. But that's not what I measured any success by or not having success. Uh, my measurements for success or for failure dealt with individual uh, young people. Some of them I hope I helped. Some of them I'm sure I didn't help as well as I should have. Um, but you try to meet those young people where they are. Uh, that has always been what I've tried to be. And I use the alphabet. And A being the, you're at the basic, you're at the bottom. And Z being, you're at the top. Um, and whether the athlete is an A on the field, off the field, doesn't make any difference. My job, I felt like, was to get them to become a B whether it's on the field or off the field, because I felt like those two were together. If I got them to a B, then my next step was to get them to a C. Everybody wants to move from an A to an E, and you can't do it, I don't think. I think you have to learn to get to that next level, that next step. And if you come in and you're an E, then my job is, is to get you to an F, get you to a G, get you to an H. If you come in as an M, I need to get you to an N, to an O, to a P. I hadn't had anybody that I've ever had that was a C. Uh, off the field, I've had some Zs, I guess. Uh, uh, Jamil Northcutt, uh, about as close as it would come. But, uh, you know, I just felt like that that was the calling of a coach, of a teacher, is to take a student where they are and get them to the next step. Now, I tried to respect whether that student... Um, knew anything about Jesus Christ or didn't. Uh, my prayer over the years became, Christ, let your light shine through my life. There are some students who I had very personal conversations with about uh, Jesus Christ being in their life or not being in their life. There's others, I never said that to them, but I hope that they sensed there's something different here. And I think the vast majority did. Mm. Um, and so uh, I, that was what I felt like my calling was. Do I love watching a young man or a young lady that's in the weight room for the first time, mm -hmm. got the broomstick? Yep, yeah, okay. Yeah. And, and I was, I'll share this real quick. I had a young lady that uh, she had a cousin in the class. The cousin was a football player. She's a soccer player. Um, and we have these dip bars, and they would go over there and do these dips. Well, she went over there one time with them and says, I'll do those with you. She couldn't do one. She got so mad, so frustrated. We, this was in January. We started working. And by the end of that semester, she could do seven mm. by herself. Okay? When she came back from college, because she went on to play soccer in college, she would come by and say, look at my bicep, <laughs> look at my bicep, coach. Yeah. This is what yeah. you taught me. Yeah. And, um, and so anyway, um, I was talking with uh, one of our church members, and she's bring, I had her as a student. She's bringing up things, says, coach, do you remember doing this, this, and this for me? 
have no memory. She finally said something that dawned on yeah. me. Yes, I do yeah. remember that. Yeah. But I think it's just part of being a teacher, being, mm -hmm. a, being a coach. One thing I'm, I'm curious about, uh, your perspective on this, um, because in a way, your, your time with students is limited, both just on any given day, but you, know, you live in a world of seasons and of years, and students come in and they grow up and move on, and so there's a, those windows are probably shorter than many of us realize. At the same time, though, you've been here, you chose to be here for a long period of time. What's your perspective on that? What, was there a, a benefit of being planted in a place? that Did that help you move some of those students or families from A to B? Uh, I don't know. I, I do know that, do I have former players that still reach out to me mm -hmm. and we meet for lunch, we talk, mm -hmm. et cetera? Yes. Um, I really think that for me to have been here as long as I have um, is really a God thing because in my profession, most of the time, you either can't win enough to keep your job or the game has passed him by mm. or her by. We need to move them on out to pasture. Mm. Um, and that happens. Uh, to stay at one location for a long period of time it's like being a minister. Doesn't happen very often. Mm -hmm. I was um, very fortunate that I grew up in a household with a dad as a minister who uh, I was in the first grade when he uh, took the pastoral job at um, Monte Vista Baptist Church. Uh, I was in my third year here when he retired from that church. Mm -hmm. Again, very unusual. Um, he taught me a couple of things. I think you meet the problems head on. You don't let them fester. Um, I think that's a lesson that can carry in just about any situation, uh, whether that's a marriage, whether that's a business partner, that if you meet them head on instead of letting it fill, you know, just boil underneath and hope that it goes away. Um, I know, you know, I... I I remember as a child being led out of a business meeting. Hmm. Um, all my siblings and I, but, well, at that time there were only two, one, uh, two others, my older sister and my brother, um, never knew hmm. until I'm in college and a church member, longtime church member says, I remember when they were going to run your dad out of hmm. town. Hmm. And um, I never knew it happened. You know, yeah. I do remember the meeting because I remember being escorted out. Yeah. But I never knew. My dad never shared that. Mm -hmm. What I'm trying to say is there's a lot of things that happen mm -hmm. that you never, you know, God, God's got a way of working things out. And even when things are rough, we're 0-20 a few years ago. Um, it's rough. I know, I've, I've told the coaching staff, if we can't turn it around this year, I won't be the coach here any longer, uh, and you all will be working for somebody else. Uh, none of you all will be able to ascend to mm. being the head coach. Uh, and that was at the start of the 2017 season. Mm -hmm. I'm very blessed that we had some really good athletes coming. I never dreamed of it ending the way it ended. Uh, but God's got a way of, of doing things that, uh, but again, 
uh, I don't wear the state championship ring because I don't want that defining Mm-hmm. who I am, who I am was, did I try to help students move from where they were to where they needed to go next? Mm-hmm. And when they got to that point, not to let them rest, challenge them again to make the next step. Mm-hmm. And that's where I found my joy. That's a great uh, comment, right, or perspective on, on what defines us. And I want to come back to that in just a minute, but I'm, I'm curious, uh, maybe a bit selfishly on this part, but talking about how you grew up as a pastor's kid, had a chance to uh, meet and interact with your dad. Um, great, great man, great minister in that way. And I'm curious your perspective on this, growing up as a pastor's kid and then as a coach. It strikes me that there's probably more than one way in which coaching, teaching, and ministry overlap. Yes. And one of those ways to me, seems to be the the fact that for a long time as the head ball coach, you were a public figure. Uh, And so I'm curious just for you to maybe share a little bit about that experience. What was that like for you, particularly in a smaller town, a town like our one high school town, football um, is an important part, athletics are an important part of that. What was that like for you? Did you feel like uh, being the the head football coach was something you could turn off and on? That's something you wore that hat during the season and you didn't when you were off? Or did it feel like you were a, a public figure whether you wanted to be or not? Yeah. Uh, in small town USA, especially in the South, uh, if you're the head football coach or a public figure, whether you want to be or not. Mm-hmm. And I... Um, Remember when I was going to interview for the job at Loudoun, I've interviewed with the head coach, Henry Blackburn, and now he's taking me around to show me apartment complexes or apartment houses or whatever. And we pull up to a red light. Hey, coach. We go to a stop sign. Hey, coach. And And that's the first time that I ever really realized about Mm. the head coach of a small town. And um, so during the course of that drive, I say something to Coach Blackburn, who was probably in his late 40s by then, uh, had been a head coach in another high school and run out of town for sale signs stuck up in his yard. Um, And now he was coaching and was having significant success. Playoff team, uh, the year I coached for him, we make it to the state semifinals, all right? He had seen both sides of the occupation. And he goes, John, he said, everybody knows you if you're the head football coach. They may hate your guts (laughs) or they may love you, but they know you. Uh, and that stood, stuck with me. So when I came to Tullahoma, and I tell coaches now, when I'm hiring coaches, um, realize that you represent more than basketball, soccer, um, bowling, whatever. Um, you represent a community. And therefore, you have to understand that when I'm out in a restaurant, I am someone who is very much recognized. In fact, 
Cherie, the joke among us, uh, she won't. She used to want me to go shopping with her all the time. She, she very seldom <laughs> wants me to go shopping with her now unless she's specifically buying a shirt or something right, for me. Right. Um, and it was because she says it's like taking Elvis shopping. Right. You can't do any shopping because everybody wants to stop and talk. Right. And, Probably talking uh, about football too, yes, right? Which she's not. Right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so um, I say all that in that you have a football season, but it doesn't end. And that's the reason I would go to wrestling matches. I'd go to basketball games. I went to baseball games. I went to some soccer games. Uh, I would have students in class and I would go see a play that they're in mm -hmm. or because you're more in small town USA than just a football coach. Mm -hmm. You are a community public mm -hmm. figure. Um, people still today, they still think I'm coaching football. How are we going to be this year? Right. <laughs> Right. And I said, well, I hope we're going to be better. Right. Uh, and if it's somebody that I know and they were just, have you been out there watching mm -hmm. on many, how are we going to be? Mm -hmm. I always say, well, I think we ought to win them all and be mm -hmm. state champions. If they don't, it's the coaches. Right. That's the problem. Right. Uh, so anyway, uh, you become a public figure. Now, do I enjoy being that public figure? The answer is no. If you mm -hmm. talk to my wife in particular, she'll tell you that, um, I would rather sit back in the back mm -hmm. uh, instead of being up in the front. Mm -hmm. um, that's where I'm comfortable. And um, I would rather, uh, you know, not have to talk mm -hmm. all the time. Um, I think my oldest son, Jared's very much that way. You know, um, when he first said he thought he wanted to be a teacher and a coach, his mother said to him, well, you got to learn to talk. <laughs> and, uh, but he, he can talk when he needs right. to talk. Right. He prefers to be, though, um, listening more than mm -hmm. talking, and that's truly me mm -hmm. for the most mm -hmm. part. Um, except when I'm in a situation like this. Right, and I right, keep, we cornered you. I yeah. keep going and yeah. going. Well, so I think, though, that's really a, a, a rich perspective, and, and to me, that sort of underscores maybe pivoting in this direction. When we when you think about retirement, in your case, stepping away from coaching, something you've been doing for a long time, I, I think that's a that underscores that that's a complex thing. It wasn't just stepping away from coaching; it was stepping away from a, a way of life, mm -hmm. from an identity in the community to all those sorts of things. And so, even if perhaps somebody listening to us today isn't a public figure in their role or hasn't coached before, but maybe they can identify with that, with a, a type of work that's defined them or defined their mm -hmm. way of life for a long time. Um, retirement is, can be a complex thing. I, I think sometimes younger guys like me say, oh, retirement sounds great. Just, <laughs> I can't wait, you know, but, but it's more complex than that. So take us through a little bit of that process of how did it begin when you first started considering or maybe feeling some prompting even from God to, to consider stepping away from coaching? Well, when I first started considering, I was looking at um, moving out of state and doing what they call double dipping. Mm -hmm. uh, start drawing my Tennessee retirement and still draw um, pay mm -hmm. from my current employee. And um, that happened eight or nine years ago. Mm -hmm. um, 
I really uh, felt like that, God, if this is what you want me to do, then, you know, I need some doors to open, which uh, there were some doors that were being opened. But I also um, felt like there were some things tying me here. Uh, the housing market was in one of the cooler times instead of hot like it has been. Um, but I felt like um, that if I gave up my house, Lord, that frees me. I'm willing to go to a new place, start again. Um, Sheree had a couple of prerequisites for that, and one had to be near a beach. Yeah. Yeah. It couldn't be a pond. <laughs> uh, so um, anyway, we did sell our house. It wasn't the only reason we sold it, but we sold our house uh, and rented as we're making plans to make this move. And um, so that was probably the first beginning of it. Uh, I obviously stayed. Uh, I had a superintendent who met with me and he and I talked and uh, he talked some financial stuff with me and I became athletic director as well as football coach. And so at that point in time, uh, I'm really thinking, okay, eventually I give up football coach, move to AD. After two years, I'm sitting there thinking, I'm an idiot if I try to become athletic director because all you do with that is you deal with everybody else's problems. <laughs> I'd rather deal with my own problems that I've created instead of deal with everybody else's problems. And, um, and so anyway, again, fortunately, I have a superintendent that's willing to try to help us in those ways. And, and so we belong to uh, a group that helps us with our coaches on learning how to work and not create those problems with parents and athletes, et cetera. You can't stop everyone, but we have really helped ourselves tremendously over the last couple of years. So with all that said, uh, we get to... COVID-19, I get COVID-19, but one of the things that happened to me was I started having my feet bother me. Mm. And so when I would stand out there on that practice field for hours, walking around, et cetera, uh, I was really having big time issues with my feet. Mm. I did not want to go sit in a golf cart. I didn't want to be on a bucket. And so that's now yeah. becomes a factor and what I call a burr under yeah. the saddle. Yeah. Um, so again, I'm sitting there. Uh, we uh, have a really good football team, make it to the state quarterfinals, get beat, 14-13. Uh, um, but I have already talked with Jason Quick I guess it was in August of 2020. And I said, uh, he and I had been talking about some things. And as I left the meeting, I said, you probably need to know that 2021 will be my last year. 
And uh, he said, really? And I said, yeah. I said, it's a good class to go out with. Mm. I didn't know they were going to be oh, as good, but I knew they were mm. good. And they were a fun bunch to be around. Sometimes you can be winning and not enjoy it at all because you're dealing with issues all the time. Uh, the 21, uh, which would be the 22 graduating class, uh, they were fun to be around. Mm -hmm. uh, and... Uh, and they were they were talented, mm -hmm. and so that made Friday nights fun. Um, and, and I just remember looking over my shoulders. I'm walking off, and because he, I can't remember exactly what he said, but I turned around and I said, "I'm gonna be selfish and go out with that class." Mm -hmm. And um, I, I just remember using that word because mm -hmm. that was really my thoughts. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not gonna go out with a bad class. I want to go out mm -hmm. with a good class. Uh, we get in the 2020 season, we get through that, and Mr. Quick, uh, wasn't that a blast? Didn't you have fun? I, yes, I did. It was great. And um, this is December of 2020, and I said, uh, but I really feel like my time's come to an end. Mm -hmm. That uh, following the 2021 season, I'm going to let somebody else take it over. Mm. Uh, I said, we got some really good young coaches and they need to have the program. Uh, so that's kind of how I was mm. working my way through it. It was not something where it was instantaneous. You're talking about going back to 2014, mm -hmm. uh, 2013, 2014, that time mm. period's when I'm, I'm starting to look at it because I knew I was approaching uh, my 30 years, which would allow me to draw full retirement in the mm -hmm. state of Tennessee. Um, and would still give me another 10 years. Mm -hmm. uh, COVID comes, and I start having physical issues mm -hmm. that interfere with what mm -hmm. I do. Mm -hmm. um, and so that becomes, you know, mm -hmm. but it was kind of like uh, when the decision came to come to Tullahoma, there were little things that happened and that's the way God's always worked in my life. It's never been, I, I've never seen a burning bush, I'll put it that way. Yeah. I act a lot like Moses. I, I, Moses is one of my favorite characters because he's always, Scott can do it a whole lot better. Right. Get Scott to do <laughs> right. it. Uh, and then eventually I get worn down and I say, okay, I'll do it. And, uh, and, and that was kind of, you know, the way this process worked with me. What was, I can, <clears throat> I love the, the Moses example. It reminds me too of, um, I can identify with, with Abraham where you know, sometimes it feels like God is very direct, calls us, you go do this at this time, very specific. But then other times uh, God will go to folks like Abraham and say, hey, pack up your stuff, leave home, follow me. I'll tell you more on the way. Yeah. And uh, I feel like my life's been a bit more like that, perhaps yours too, than um, all that specific. As much as I would like the specifics, they don't, right. uh, they don't always come out that way. So thinking about that, though, this is a, a, a way of life, of coaching, not only for you, but for your family, you know, in this place for a long time. And so it sounds like God was kind of slowly... Um, loosening some, some strings in a way or giving you that freedom bit by bit to get you to that place where you could step away. I'm curious, as you, the time got closer throughout that last year or you, you got ready to, to truly step away from coaching, what was 
easy about that, about stepping away, and what was difficult about stepping away? Well, I think one thing is, is that I started prepping um, in spring of 2020 by giving other responsibilities to the other coaches because I wanted to be able to step away and the program just continue on. It'll have a new identity and everything, and that's fine. But I wanted those guys to be start making decisions on the field, off the field. So I started that preparation so that when I got to 2021, because I wrote out my resignation email, I told Dr. Stevens that she would have it the Monday after our last game. Mm. So when we got to the first week of the playoff, I typed that email Mm -hmm. because I don't know if we get upset, I've got to send that email on Monday morning. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I don't know if I'm answering your question exactly, but my process is, okay, now I'm ready Mm -hmm. to send that email. Mm -hmm. Um, Our season continues on for another month. I got to that Monday morning, and to actually hit send was a lot more difficult Mm -hmm. than I had ever realized. Mm -hmm. And I really stopped, I paused probably for 10 to 15 minutes Mm -hmm. and sat there in my chair thinking, all right, is this really what Mm -hmm. I wanna do? Mm -hmm. Is it really? And and I came to the conclusion, yeah, I'm at peace with this, Mm -hmm. and I think God's the only person to give peace. At that point in time, uh, I really think I'm getting ready to take a sizable pay cut because I'm going to lose mm. a supplement that I've been receiving. Um, and, and so Sheree and I had already talked about it, that we'd make adjustments and whatever we needed mm. to do, um, that it's okay. Mm-hmm. God will work it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, he worked it out. Uh, my superintendent, uh, Dr. Stevens offered me a chance uh, with the blessings of the school board to add more days to my contract and change my, the definition of my job some. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I did that. So mm-hmm. uh, when I've made decisions, uh, as people get all caught up on some of the, and there, there's nothing wrong with it. I'm just built where when I left Mullins, I took, I started making one third. I leave Loudon, go to Sanford. I'm making one half of what I made at, at Loudon. So I'm way down in two <laughs> going years' the wrong time direction. Yeah. and newly married. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, when I was making the decision to step down, um, I, I'm sitting there saying, okay, it'll be all right. God will work it out. Mm-hmm. I've never made that decision based on finance. When, when I ended up staying here, Dr. Lawson had met with me and said, hey, I, we can increase your pay by this much and it'll add this much to your retirement. Uh, it'll work out to be the same as if you went out of state and got a eight to 10 year retirement out of that other state. Da, da. And, um, but that really wasn't the thing that swayed me. What swayed me was I had friends that wanted me to come eat lunch with them. And uh, they just shared that they really didn't want me to leave. 
It's a God thing. Yeah. I had a chairman of the school board come see me. And he leaves and he says, you can't tell. And I'm getting ready to tell, so I don't know whether I'll share that story or not. Uh, but anyway, you know, he had gotten emotional and he said, I don't know how many employees can say that they've had their chairman of their board come and ask them not to go. Uh, again, it was having to do with uh, little things that happen in life and you look back on it and you see God working. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the way I feel here. Uh, I really hope to fully retire in the next two to five years max. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, uh, your health can change mm -hmm. and that brings retirement on. There's other things that can happen. I just know that I watched, my, again, I go back to my father. I watched him retire, but he didn't retire. Mm -hmm. He says, I get to go do what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, uh, he took on things uh, from woodworking projects to uh, being an interim mm -hmm. to being on CBF board and being a lot more involved. You know, he never slowed down. Mm -hmm until he got into his 80s. He got into his 80s, he finally slowed down. I don't know whether my health will hold out like that. Yeah. But my goal is, is that retirement just means uh, uh, I get to wake up, all right, God, what do you want me to do today? Yeah. You want me to go kill weeds in the parking lot at the church? Yeah. Fine, yeah. I'm good yeah. with that. Yeah. Uh, you know, do you want me to uh, go help a young coach through a football season. I'm good with that. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't see myself going home and I'm not a good enough woodworker to right. be able to right. do a woodworking all the time or anything. I enjoy it from time to time. I don't know if I'm making any yeah, sense, absolutely. but that's how I kind of yeah. uh, financially, it'll work out. Mm -hmm. Do I end up selling my home and downsizing, mm -hmm. got a smaller, could be, it's all right, mm -hmm. it'll work out. Mm -hmm. And I've always, not to the extent that my dad, and I'll share this real quick, uh, we own a couple of book, Christian bookstores, my brother, my father, and I. Uh, my mom and dad are getting up in years. Uh, it looks like we may all have to file bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. And uh, my dad would be my age now and this is going on. I'm still young. I can, you know, I can recover. Mm. I make a bad decision here. I've got time to recover. Mm -hmm. My dad didn't. And yet, he was at peace the whole time. Mm. Now, we never, never had to file bankruptcy because all three of us were individually on the line mm. Uh, it wasn't, you know, we were too small of an operation to, for the corporation mm -hmm. to go bankrupt. It was going to be the three of us. And uh, I just remember my dad says, it's okay. If, if we go bankrupt, it happens. We'll all be okay. It's not that big a deal. And, and, and I'm not really phrasing it exactly the way he did, but the reason is is because he had a peace mm -hmm. that only God can give. I think I'm closer to that peace today because of a life of experiences uh, than I've ever been. 
So retirement, something I look forward to. I really hope to, um, to not completely step out. I'd love to be able to stay in athletics part-time or whatever, uh, help where I can. Uh, but then if I want to go build a wheelchair ramp for three days, I can get up and go build a wheelchair ramp. Take my ibuprofen or whatever. Right. And, <laughs> right. You know, uh, I may splurge and buy a whirlpool, uh, you know, a hot tub right. so I can soak in, so I can <laughs> right. keep moving. Right, for medicinal purposes. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I love that. Part of what I, as you shared that story, what I heard you saying or saw in that story was, you know, in, in taking, they probably didn't feel small at the time, but in taking small steps of faith, over a long period of time. It has continued to put you in places to take bigger steps of faith. Um, and maybe it's made them all the sweeter and all the richer for it. Even when on paper it, it didn't make a lot of sense, right, to take the pay cut or to make the move or to stay yeah. even. Um, but that on the other side, when you were obedient or faithful to what God was calling you to do, you maybe feel richer for it. Is that fair to say? I, I hope I definitely feel richer. I feel blessed. Okay, uh, I'm sure God feels like He's <laughs> dealing with it. Really, you know, He probably feels like me, like I feel about our dogs on some days, uh, and probably more often than than it needs to be. But I keep knowing that there's a God that cares. Um, and as I move into a new phase of life, um, I know that um, my health may go down. Uh, there's other issues that enter into life. Um, I guess we can all be wiped out financially through uh, health care between mm-hmm. you or a spouse or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I've just got that firm belief that God is going to be there. Doesn't mean it'll make it easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like with my feet these last couple of years. It's not easy on some days. There's some days that when I'm sitting back there in the back, I don't stand mm-hmm. because they bother me that much that day. Um, but, you know, uh, my prayer is, is, okay, just give me the strength. Mm-hmm. And that's the way I hope I'll always be whether it's a health issue or a financial issue, um, Lord, just give me the strength. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to really, I, I'd love for him to take care of my problems, and I think he does a lot, but just give me the strength. Yeah. Give me the steel that I need to mm-hmm. make it through. What would you say, so we've talked sort of about the journey of work, the lead up to uh, considering retirement, that prompting, which was, in your case, kind of a, a, a slow progression, right, over several years it got there, all the way to writing that email and finally having to hit send, you know, on Monday. What, what have you learned since then? Because it's been a year, year and a half, right, since, I guess? Uh, uh, yeah. Since, since yeah. you stepped away from coaching, right? Um, <clears throat> maybe a little longer. And so... What has that experience taught you, or, or what's what has been um, 
how's it, what maybe things have not surprised you, things that have, have played out the way you thought they would, or, or things that surprised you about what you missed? What have you, what have you learned about that process? Uh, number one thing that I missed, and that hit me last school year, mm. was relationships with individual mm. athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, on a football team, you can't have great relationships with everybody. So you have a staff and you try to get staff members, hey, I'm not relating very well with this mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. I need you to try to get a relationship mm-hmm. with them. And most time it just happens naturally because they're mm-hmm. around on position players, et cetera. Sure. Um, but as a head coach, you become closer to a handful. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was a position coach, I was close to my position players. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, but as a head coach, uh, you become close to the ones that you're involved in discipline in. <laughs> right. Um, you become close to maybe three, four, five players on a given team mm-hmm. where you have more of a relationship than just, hey, how are you today? How's classes? Uh, you still holding hands with so-and-so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what hit me the hardest last year. Mm-hmm. As the athletic director, I still see mm-hmm. students every day. Mm-hmm. But how's things going? Mm-hmm. Class work going well. Mm-hmm. There is no in-depth mm-hmm. relationship of, hey, you know, at home, we got things moving between you and your brother or you and your dad mm-hmm. getting along, but that's all lost. Mm-hmm. Anything of any depth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I won't say completely, but for the vast, vast, vast there majority. There was a loss there, yeah. It, it's a loss. And that was the number one thing that jumped out at me was that I no longer had that, that relationship with any of those mm-hmm. guys. And... Um, or with students, because mm-hmm. when you saw students on a daily basis, um, you know, you, you just, there are things that you realize are going on in their life and you sit them down and you start talking with them. And uh, if they trust you, they open up trying to say, this is what's going on, whether it's between me and another student, which nine out of 10 times, that's mm-hmm. what you're dealing with or whatnot. But, and, and and so anyway, those opportunities mm-hmm. don't exist mm-hmm. in the position I'm in now. Uh, maybe I need to learn to do it and figure it out a little bit better how to do it, um, but it's not the same. Mm-hmm. That was the number one change that I found. I wondered too, I, I think that speaks, uh, I think that's just really perceptive and, and a rich answer because I think to me that also speaks to the fact that you missed those relational connections because they were such a part of the work when you were doing the work. Oh. And so then when you stopped the work, th- that opportunity was, it changed. And I'm, how much would you say, looking back now, you know, for, for younger folks in a career that say, you know, I really would love to, whether it's in a particular profession or in a company or in a location like Tullahoma, to say, I really want to put roots down. I want to 
make some choices. Maybe it's not always the, the best financial choice or maybe it's not the best career progression choice, but I'm attracted to this idea of building a working life that's long-term, that's sustainable, that's uh, able to do that. What, what role, looking back, would you say that uh, relationships played in allowing you to do what you did for as long as you did it? Well, uh, in answering your question, uh, I need to back up just a little bit, okay? I, I never intended to stay at Tallahoma. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, we bought our first house here, or had it, we bought a lot to have a house built on, because while we were waiting on that new house in Maryville to sell, uh, we kept looking at houses in this little subdivision, and we'd pick one out and say, oh, yeah, we'll buy that one if we can get ours to sell, and it would sell the next week. Mm. And, uh, there were two lots left in that subdivision, both of them right across the street from each other. I went to the developer and I said, I will take that lot right there. I will have you build our house right there. Uh, I don't want you to sell that lot. I'm trying to get my house sold and I want this to, to happen. The reason we chose that subdivision was, is if we don't like it here, we can sell and go. If we do, or they don't like us, we can sell and go, all right? So when I came to Tullahoma, I really thought it'd be a four or five year stop. After my sixth or seventh year here, there was some shuffling in the coaching world that affected me um, that, uh, there was a possibility of a, of a larger high school, a real possibility, uh, still here in the mid-state. Uh, it doesn't happen for whatever be the reason. It's kind of like having a, uh, a committee come watch you mm -hmm. preach and you think things, God's got everything moving and then all of a sudden there's a... Yeah. Uh, for my dad, one time I remember him, I didn't know this when I was growing up, but years later, uh, a committee uh, was there. They had checked him all out and they were at the final stages, the last thing. And so um, they're meeting with him uh, uh, right before the church service. And, uh, you know, uh, one of them says, well, how much do you get paid at this church? My dad said, I think $12,000. And he goes, that is too much money for a pastor. Mm. And that ended that, yeah. yeah, you know, that everything seemed to be, this is what God wants me to do. But, and so with me, uh, over the years, I've had two schools in particular out of East Tennessee reach out to me. Uh, one of them I really considered to get back closer to my parents. And what stopped me there was my dad and mom, I'm sitting with them in their um, family room. And my dad goes, if you're coming back here for us, we're doing fine without you. <laughs> thanks, but no thanks. I never considered that job mm. anymore. And I mean, and I had all spring have been in detail, caught talks with them, uh, and, and we're real close to mm -hmm. making a deal. 
Um, and when my dad said that, I go, that's the only reason I was even considering this job. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so anyway, uh, I don't think I came here expecting to be here 30 years later. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's the reason I think it becomes a God thing, that it's not really my strong desire to put down and have the roots. Mm -hmm. It was that God decided this is where the Olive family is going to mm -hmm. be raised. Kind of like my dad when he went to Monta Vista and Maryville in 1964. He didn't plan on staying there. And I can even remember my, high, my senior year, I'm going into my senior year of high school. He thinks he's going to take a pastorate in West Virginia. Mm. I don't know why anybody would want to go there, but anyway, uh, he is. I mean, you know, he, he tells me, because I'm getting ready to do, be a senior, and we made arrangements for me to live with my best friend mm. to complete my senior year at Maryville High instead of being uprooted mm -hmm. to have to do my senior year, I think it was in Wheeling, West Virginia, mm -hmm. but uh, it may have been Huntington. I, I really don't, mm -hmm. don't know, never even asked. I just mm -hmm. remember it was West Virginia. Um, and I say all that is, is that's kind of how I see my life here. I've had some chances to leave. Most of the time I say, I'm not really interested. Mm -hmm. But three times I have thought, that I'm, mm -hmm. uh, that God, is, is this where you're leading me? Is this, mm -hmm. and one of them in particular that I shared there, the whole thing though was mm -hmm. not God leading me. It was mm -hmm. my mom and dad are in their 80s. I need to, mm -hmm. or 70s, they were probably in their late 70s by then. Mm -hmm. And my mom was beginning to have health problems mm -hmm. that uh, with Alzheimer's. Didn't know it at that time, we know it now. Mm -hmm. um, but um, I think God, uh, works things, and again, you don't realize it until you're looking back on your life a lot of times. Now, some people may be so in tune to God. Uh, if it was Marion Majors up here telling this story and she says, God said, I would think, yes, God did tell her. That. Uh, but with me, I think it's more of burrs under the saddle or doors that all of a sudden something hits me in reality that says, Okay, God, I hear you. Mm -hmm. I, I, you've hit me enough now. Yeah. I have finally figured out. Well, I love that perspective. I think earlier in our conversation, you, t you talked about while you've been in a role where you've had to be upfront, you've had to you've had to speak and talk and promote and encourage and cheerlead. Um, and at your core, you you find comfort in listening. And I think as we've talked today, I've seen a lot of a common thread in your journey has, has been listening, whether it's listening to Cherie about whether or not you should make a move, <laughs> listening to your health, listening to your parents, listening to your players, to um, your, you know, your superintendent along the way, but taking the time to listen to yourself, to your loved ones, to your, your professional colleagues, um, it sounds like that's been a, a huge, you know, uh, a huge North Star in God most of all um, in that process. And I think that's a good word for a lot of us because it's so easy in those working years, building a career, raising a family, doing all those things to not take the time 
to listen. And so I just appreciate your thoughtfulness um, in the moment and after the fact of um, making space. Well, I try not to make major decisions quickly. And I'm sure, as I've shared, God probably gets frustrated with, you know, it's almost like you're standing on the rooftop to, and the floodwaters are rising. You know, boat comes, no, it's all right. God's going to take care of me. And however it goes to the helicopter, et cetera. And, you know, you die and you get to heaven and, you know, God, why didn't you help me? And well, I've sent this, this, three, yeah. how much more yeah. do you right. want me to do to try to help you? Right. And, uh, and, and the other thing I always remember, um, when I was at Carson Newman, uh, we had a speaker come with, for a chapel um, named Lauren Young. And he used the example of, of faith being that you're standing on that cliff looking out over the beautiful canyon below you. And all of a sudden the rocks slide out from underneath you. And you're reaching and grabbing and trying to stay up and you're all of a sudden going down the cliff. But it, you have grabbed a hold of a root and you're there and you're three feet from the top and nowadays I couldn't even get six inches. But you start trying to pull yourself up and you're reaching and you can almost get to the top ledge but you can't. It, the ground starts giving away again. The root's pulling away from the wall of the, of the cliff and you ask God for help. Mm -hmm. And he says, okay, let go. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget that. Uh, whenever I'm facing tough choices and tough decisions, I try to remember to let go. Mm -hmm. And I think it served me well. Well, let me uh, maybe get you out of here on this question. Um, going through these experiences, learning um, everything that you have up to this point, uh, what would be one piece of advice or word of encouragement that you would offer to someone as they ponder their own retirement? And let me maybe ask you to do it in two parts. Is there a word that you would offer to someone um, who's at that retirement age getting ready to decide, is it time or I've just, I've just stepped away, what's next? You know, what, what's a word there? And then would there be a word of encouragement to uh, maybe a younger guy like me or to, to your kids that you would say, hey, retirement's probably a long way off, but if you want to finish well, here's maybe something that you could, could do now to prepare you for that. Uh, first thing I'd say to someone pondering retirement, it's kind of like having children. Mm. When are we ready to have our first child? And the answer to that is you're never going to be ready <laughs> if you're waiting for financial, right. Right. if you're waiting to have space, the right. time, right. etc. And yet what a gift mm. it is whenever God blesses you with a child. Mm. Uh, and so I think with retirement, I'm kind of approaching retirement the same way. Is you know, uh, you never know for sure all the answers. Um, I do know 
that the people that I've watched that retired, what I call retired well, um, it didn't deal with financial. Hmm. Um, it dealt with living life. And living life to the fullest that you can on that given day. And as your health declines, you know, uh, I've been in the middle of a flooring project and there are some nights I just can't, can't do it. 20 years ago, this thing would already been done. I say that, it probably wouldn't have because I'd been tied up in everything else. But uh, it was something that I think people that retire well, they live life to the fullest every day. What, regardless of what their body can do, what their mind can, they live the best they can for that given day. And if that's going over here and working at the church, handing out food to people, if that's uh, helping a third grader learn to read, um, if it's painting my church, uh, each of us have gifts. Uh, I may have lost some of my physicalness, but my mind's still sharp. And so I help with an organization that just needs somebody to check people in and out, mm -hmm. um, whatever. I just think it's important when you retire well is to retire, to live each day to its fullest. And when you're at your age, uh, there are steps that you can make toward your retirement financially that I probably should have done better. But when you, you know, I know I talked to our kids one time. This was probably a decade ago. Um, Jared's probably out of college. The other two are getting ready to go into college. And uh, we're just talking and we're talking about, and it coincides when I'm looking at moving mm. out of state and all. Uh, but it coincided with all that, that uh, I maybe wasn't the best dad because I'm over here. Your mother did an awesome job raising you all, and maybe we should have done things differently. And uh, Jared's the first one to speak up, and he says, no, I love being a coach's son. Mm. I love being at the field house. And I look at Cherie and start laughing, and even when I didn't even know where you were, because mm -hmm. Cherie would show up and for the kids because of some reason I had them with me, and she'd say, where are they? And I said, they're around here somewhere. <laughs> that was always my response. <laughs> they're in the sand pile in the back. They're out on the field. Yeah. You know. yeah. But I was not a great parent. Uh, well, they call them free reign. I was right, probably yeah. a free yeah. reign yeah. parent. Yeah. Uh, but we continued on and we talked about that I wish I'd saved more for their college mm -hmm. and so forth. And, but we chose to take a vacation or to spend doing this together or going to the lake. We, we spent a lot of weeks, two to three days a week at the lake. And my kids, all brought that back that we would have rather mm. have you spent that and us have to borrow money to finish paying for our education. Um, 
So financially, I'm not the financial wizard to go to to get help, <laughs> advice on how to be prepared to have a great nest egg. But again, it goes back to my philosophy of I, I don't want to abuse, I don't want to throw stuff away. But deep down, God's in control. The economy goes to pot. You know what? I still got enough help. I can go back to work. I can do some things. Uh, if I retire and there's enough to pay the bills each month, I'm good. I don't, you know, I don't have to have a vacation to Greece or Italy. Um, like to make it to the promised land sometime, but may not, may never. But, you know, those are things that I don't really worry about. If I'm able to get enough money saved back to make those trips, I'll splurge and do it mm. instead of holding the money in a pot and yeah. waiting for me to die, my kids get it. You know? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't, yeah. uh, so, uh, but I do know that I've watched people retire well. I've also watched people not retire well. They go home, they become resentful, they look around, uh, I should have worked over there mm -hmm. because then I'd have this much to retire on. Mm -hmm. And um, I watched one man move from a big house to a medium house to an itty bitty house. I mean, 800 square feet. And yet his attitude never changed. Mm -hmm because God was meeting his needs. Mm -hmm. And when he needed to make those moves, the, you know, somebody offered him the amount of money that he was willing to take mm -hmm. and he would downsize. Mm -hmm. And I just remember he was down to an 800 square foot house. When he died, he was living in that 800 square foot house, but his attitude never changed. Mm -hmm. And um, And he was not, you know, Oh, woe was me. Mm -hmm. He was, hey, this is what I'm doing today. Mm -hmm. And whether that was helping at his rotary club or whether that was um, doing something for mm -hmm. somebody else or his church or whatever. Mm -hmm. He just, to me, that's living well in retirement. It's a rich life. Well, I appreciate the time today, and I think that's a great, great place to end that it's um, a good uh good reminder to um, to invest in relationships along the way um, because that's an integral part not only of great work but of great retirement of great life oh absolutely I agree with you 100% and we have wonderful friends here in Tullahoma that I'm sure if we had moved they'd still been friends and mm -hmm. so forth but um, you know uh, I've watched people I've had to do several funerals mm. because of being mm. that coach uh, in the community. And um, you can tell when a Christian has passed mm. and when somebody who is not a Christian. Um, it's just different. Mm. And they both can have the same room full of friends, but it's different. And uh, I'm sure you have experienced that in your ministry. Um, that, um, and, and so anyway, friends and relationships are really unique. 
Uh, I'm not a great relationship person. <laughs> I, I'm just not. I, you know, Cherie and I, uh, I think I gave her an anniversary card and something, you know, it showed two people on the couch with a remote control. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes I'm sure that uh, she feels that way, that she wishes her husband would talk a little more to her. Yeah. Well, thank you for talking with us today. We're grateful for um, not only your impact and legacy in our community, but being willing to uh, share your faith journey and your life journey with us. So thank you very, very much. Welcome.